0: Just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sidebar Forever. If you like the show, please subscribe to us at SidebarForever.com, as well as share episodes of the podcast on your social media. That way, new listeners can find us as well. It's the 30th anniversary of The Last Boy Scout, and we're all wearing $600 leather pants to celebrate. Okay, 650. Released in 1991, directed by Tony Scott and written by Shane Black, the film stars Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. Now this is a Friday night, let's grab some pizza and hang out movie if there ever was one. The Last Boy Scout cast Bruce Willis as down and out private investigator Joe Hallenbeck and it also finds Willis just past Die Hard, yet a few years before his second career peak with the films Pulp Fiction and The Sixth Sense. It also introduces In Living Color's Damon Wayans as a legitimate comedic actor playing the big mouth quarterback Jimmy Dix. In the conversation, we discuss the tumultuous making of the film, the performances of Willis, Wayans, and Halle Berry and also some little known trivia about the film's background and production. We also take time towards the end to chop up the credits of screenwriter Shane Black and producer Joel Silver, as well as pay tribute to the film's director, the late Tony Scott. I'm Major Johnson. so what's it gonna be? Head or gut? Cause on this episode, it's Swain and I, along with our good pal, Braxton Harrison, as we play back the 1991 buddy action comedy, The Last Boy Scout. I was saying, man, I, I rewatched uh, the movie again last night. Mm-hmm. Man, I was struck by how, man, I'm oh, sorry to say, a lot that, that movie doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's still good.
1: There's oh, no, no, there's, there's real
0: problems. There's but, like just, what? what, what? But, man, that movie looks so
2: good. Yeah. yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Beautiful movie, man. Damn, yeah, it was,
2: moves really fast.
0: Like
1: that's what it right. is,
0: and it glosses over all those incongruities. Yeah. You might think about, it Ah, like, right, it's going. Okay, the
1: movie's going. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's it's quintessentially like a post MTV generation kind of a you know kind of a music video style of filmmaking where it is quick cuts. Mm-hmm. You're not really always sure who's where and what's going on. Like they don't, he doesn't do a great job of placing the characters. It's only when he pulls back and you get like a nice medium shot where you get a sense of where everybody is supposed to be and juxtaposed to one another. Mm -hmm. And then um, and it'll come up in our conversation. But, you know, they had four editors on this movie. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just an editing nightmare because Scott, like a lot of directors, shoots, you know, tons of coverage. Mm -hmm. So he's got cameras over here, over here, over here. You know, he's trying to catch as much as possible. So they had a thousand different angles going on, you know, and. and then the final editor, when he came in, I think he had worked on something else that was considered an editing hot mess. And he was the one that ended up, you know, being, you know, putting the final touch on it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It moves really quickly. Frantic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and and typically looks like a, like a Tony Scott movie with the smoky.
0: I, I and, Yeah, and, and, and shafts of light, and then yeah. when they go to Marcone's office, and it's all yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and and then you know the pool sequence, and yeah. you know all of that, you know. um
2: And where was Marcone's office? Was it at the stadium? It was at the
1: stadium with a fireplace. Like, yes, I, I thought well, where too, we at it was. Like <laughs> he yeah. I, I don't think it was at the stadium. remember it was off from the stadium because when he opens the briefcase and it explodes, they see it explode like up on the hill.
0: Yeah, but, but he had to leave the stadium to drive to his house.
1: Yeah. well, Remember,
2: he, he left the stadium. Right. It was, oh, there's a white BMW. Right.
1: And he steals the briefcase. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he's
2: leaving the stadium, and I guess he's got a posh office somewhere inside with, you know, a yeah, huge so. place. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Last Boy Scout, released in December of 1991, directed by the great Tony Scott, the late mm. great Tony Scott. Yes. Uh, script by Shane Black. Produced by... Joel Silver. Joel Silver, dog. (laughs) Uh, And starring Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans, Chelsea Field, Nova Willingham, Taylor Negron, Halle Berry as Corey, Mm. uh, Bruce McGill, Chelsea Ross, Joe Santos. Yes. And a short cameo by Eddie Griffin as the DJ in the yeah. club. <laughs> <laughs> no, very short. <laughs> All right, man. It's cool, man. It's cool. Get your ass <laughs> in the cage. <laughs> um, this, this movie is basically about like a uh, a down and out kind of an L.A. private investigator, a former uh, Secret Service guy whose career is kind of going to shit and his personal life is going to shit. And he gets hired by uh, a buddy to uh, or he gets a job from a buddy to uh, be a bodyguard for a uh, stripper, and she ends up getting killed, and then he ends up linking up with her uh, her football player boyfriend, played mm. by Damon Wayans. Yes, and they uncover some big scheme to uh, to make uh, gambling legalized in, in professional sports, and you know, which was buried some. Somewhat, at least, I felt like right. it wasn't. It was in there, but right. It was yeah. like they
2: said it. We dodging it, too many bullets to, to focus too much <laughs> on that. Exactly,
1: exactly. Like when I was when I was watching it the last time, and I was doing some reading, I was like, "Is that what that was? Yeah. The <laughs> plot was that was supposed to be about?" <laughs> I just figured, okay, they killed Corey, and Jimmy was upset about it. and yeah. he, he got Joe to you know keep going, and they figured it out. You know, yeah.
2: they could have easily turned that into like a. A sex trap I think if this were made more today, it would be like a sex trafficking thing, probably. You think so? Yeah, that would have been the big bad, maybe. Maybe, but I thought the movie did a good job of getting like the
0: hyperbolic nature of football, of American football. Oh, yeah, especially, especially at
2: that time. And that yes. opening yes. song, oh man, I mean, it, it, it <laughs> <turns> you up. <laughs>
1: Come on,
0: football, everybody. Your boy from the Righteous
1: Brothers. is American football! (laughs) With his mullet and his sunglasses.
0: He
1: captured that.
0: Like that Monday night football vibe. Yeah. Exactly. And Even when you watch football today, it's the same thing. You're supposed to get jazzed up Mm -hmm. when it
1: comes on. Yeah, Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, This movie had a $43 million budget and made $114 million, so it wasn't quite a hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was successful, but if they spent forty three million, they probably spent at least another fifteen promoting it, so mm-hmm. it's like sixty, which means they need to make one hundred and eighty million dollars in order for it to be considered a true hit, which it wasn't. Right. But it like many movies that we talk about on this podcast, it ended up finding like a great life and video, and then uh, on cable, yeah, and then you know ultimately DVD uh, after the fact, but. Um, Adrian's here. I'm here. We're here with our friend Braxton Harrison, uh, who's been on the show before. Yes, Uh, uh, and he, oddly enough, this is about a down and out PI, but Braxton is not a down and out PI. Yeah. So this this
2: is, uh, you know, I got in. I've been a private investigator. I own my own agency here in Atlanta. Uh, going on 20 years. I mean, me and Adrian have history from when I first got started. That's right, (laughs) But, um, but yeah, this movie came out like when I was looking into getting into the
1: career. So literally, really? Okay. Uh,
2: you know, I, I didn't know anything about, all I had was the romanticized notions of what being a a private eye was. Right. and, And, you know, um, but Something about Bruce Willis to me, to my mind, is like he always plays a private eye in every role he does, and I mm-hmm. wanted to get y'all's input on that. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like whatever he is doing, even you know if he's playing a cop or what he is playing that private eye, you know, cynical, uh, cynical thing. What do y'all think? Yeah, because he has that gimlet eye, almost like.
0: I'm I'm getting to the bottom of this and I'm going to find uh, yeah.
2: out, you know. Yeah. Well, he, and he's he's really a, you know, a real smart ass, you know. Yes. Like, and yeah. He does that thing with his lip and he's,
1: you know, looking off to the side.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I think he I think also too he's um he's He's, he's, he's uh, as far as leading men go, he is probably the last of kind of like the strong silent types, mm-hmm. which is what you kind of get from PIs, you know, guys who are thinking more than maybe a little more than they're talking. And when they are talking, like you said, he's a smart ass. Yeah. But I kind of always, in every movie, I always see John McClain or oh, Joe yeah. Allen back. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, the, the, the hardest, the, the one where he actually did kind of move away from that with Sixth Sense. Yeah. Which he did later on where I really felt like, okay, he's not really, he's not those characters in this. He's he's somebody else in this. He's somebody else. That's going to el- be the only movie, though. Like, yeah. What, 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 I, what, I mean, I was really struggled. Too. But that like, was just kind of like... He joy. almost just seemed like he was just <laughs> that was <sleepy> just- <laughs> in that one, just... That was Joe Hallenbeck basically was, like, okay, he's not he even a PI anymore. Out. Now he's a security guard. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's living in a crappy apartment with his wife and, you know, still on the house with the yeah. wife and, you know, everything. Well, that,
2: that's another thing about being a PI is like, I always think, you know, if my life really falls apart, you know, and I, be, I become an alcoholic, my wife leaves me, I'm, I'm still kind of doing, you know. The I'm, I'm, I'm still going to be cool, you know. In the ballpark, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my story still continues. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not losing all out. <laughs>
1: That's awesome, mm. man. Um, Adrian, what, what, what was your? Because you're younger than uh, than we are. What is? What was your earliest memory of this movie? Did you now? Is this one? This was '91. Yeah. So, did you see it in the theaters? No. Okay. <laughs> in fact, it was one of
0: those things was like I didn't really see it in total. You won't believe this until in my early 20s. Now, it was the thing of like I saw my fr- a couple of my friends, you know, I remember back in 6th grade, my friend Saifullah was like, "Hey man, did you see the last boy scout?" Yeah. I was like, "Oh, no, I ain't seen it yet." He had gone to see it in theaters. Yeah. But and then it was also a ABC Sunday Night movie yet again. You know, I always, <laughs> it's like one of those things. I was too young to stay up past nine, so I always hear it from the bedroom. My dad would be watching it, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm like, "Oh
2: man, damn! That Come sounds on. hot. That sounds <laughs> hot. That,
0: that sounds man. good. A lot of bang bang, <laughs> gang, you know, People all that stuff." Healed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you know, you know the 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 the, the censoring of swear words. Man, to shoot your football head off!
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> man, there would be a ton of censoring in this. Exactly, movie. Yeah. you
0: know. So. I didn't see it until my early 20s. And I think by that time, the reason why it had taken me so long is that that's when I really got into movies. And I really became a cinephile. Right. You know. Um, and once I got into it, I was like, man, this is, this is, this is, it's, it's a strange movie. It was mm. a strange movie when I first saw it. I was hit at first by like just the look of the movie because mm-hmm. I knew Tony Scott as far as like Top Gun and all of his Bruckheimer stuff and things like that. Mm-hmm. But just the look of the movie is what impacted me first, you know. And then beyond that. I knew that Tarantino loved this movie. Loves this movie. Really? Yeah, that's one of his uh, favorites. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. If you if you look it up, Tarantino I liked it, and I remember reading that around that time. So, like, okay, if it's good enough for him, shit, I'll, I'll give it. I'll <laughs> right. give it a try. Right. You know, and just yeah, it was it, it it was it was a good movie that grows on you. To me, it's almost like a a, a cult classic. You know, it approaches that kind of vein you know what i'm saying it's a popular big budget movie but because it's so weirdly paced and has kind of like this strange feel about it i think it's more cult now yeah. than anything for sure man mm-hmm. yeah well, what about you brax uh
2: well i mean going back to bruce willis this is definitely i just think it's a bruce willis vehicle like when sure. i think just as much as die hard to mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. um but I think that, you know, you had talked about this being um, well, post-MTV style filmmaking. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're getting more into the frantic action shots and, uh, you know, definitely Tony Scott's style of movie making is written all over this. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I personally like that. I think this movie has a lot of testosterone in it. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, like yeah. the sensibilities. Oozing. I mean, it is yeah. oozing. Yes. Yes. The You know, football and just Hallenbach's character mm-hmm. and his approach to, you know, and, and some Holcomb, you know, he, he some doing drugs in the bathroom, and he's punching the guy over, you know, doing drugs, which, you know— if Adrian was at my house and I walked in and he's, you know, doing a little bump or yeah, something,
1: right. I would say, hey, man, you know,
2: man, but that's I wouldn't punch you. <laughs> I wouldn't
0: disrespect your house,
1: though. Don't, don't be tooting in my bathroom. Yeah, man. yeah don't be tooting in my bathroom. <laughs> yeah, but
0: first it starts, I had dimmer off my pancakes because your knees are shot. And then
1: you get he off. And then he's
2: spitting oh, wow. the yeah, yeah, he spit yeah, yeah. from his mouth. I was yeah. like, don't
1: you want to stay into my fucking life? <laughs>
2: <Get out. laughs> what did y'all think about Wayans? Do you think that he he did a good job? He was acting?
1: terrible to me. <sighs> you really? I mean, he's not a he was certainly not an actor. Mm-hmm. But he's a comedic actor and he has yeah. charisma. You know, he could make you laugh and you could stay engaged with him. But I mean, like when they gave him like serious stuff to do, like any kind of heavy lifting, I was just like, oh, bro, yeah, stop. <laughs>
2: I thought. I, I, for my money, I thought that he did okay. I mean, in okay. that scene in the bathroom, and certainly the scene where he's telling, you know, yeah. Corey, he had a wife and kid. That, the the let's reveal
1: something about ourselves yeah. conversation. Right, of course.
0: Every so, single movie has it. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: back then, you know, this is what happened, and yeah. then the music and the swell of the... the, the yeah, yep.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, there are worse actors in my book that... Oh, you know, sure. Probably...
1: But 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 the thing is, it's almost like uh, you know, it's like the you know they say the sin is, is not to be good, but to be boring. Yeah, he's not boring, right? You know what I'm saying? He is interesting to watch, and you're all kind of like, okay, he does seem like a big mouth, you know, football player, yeah. you know, kind of a guy, or whatever. But um, but he he was, he was he was he was okay. But yeah, he, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't Academy Award winning. Now, Halle Berry was the worst. I mean, like she was terrible and she was this is like her second, second feature film it was you know i think this and uh jungle fever or something came out maybe in the same year and, and there was one right around the same time in 91 called living large yeah, yeah 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 so she was like really like modeling You bitch slapping <laughs> <laughs> <You're> bitch slapping <laughs> but well, but i finished what your your point you were talking about Damon about Williams. wayans yeah
2: i thought he did okay um I mean, he carried as much of the freight as Willis, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, for me, Halle Berry, I, she wasn't in it enough. She was so
1: young in that movie. Yeah. man. yeah, yeah. She like she's like twenty three or something. Yeah, 22. and you
2: know, previous on a previous uh, episode, you had mentioned her mustache.
1: Yes, <laughs> in yeah. this film. Yeah, not this one. Not this one. No, this because uh, I didn't see it. Which yeah, you know, executive decision is the one. Oh, okay. Oh, go back to that one. You're going to see a little senior, yo.
2: <laughs> man, look. Man, I would hate for Halle Berry to hear this
1: and say, oh, man. I, I, Sweet, okay. huh? I have <laughs> it on good authority that <laughs> she's not going to listen to this. You don't think this? so? <laughs> <laughs> but oh, uh, I think I saw this in the theaters. Okay. I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters. Um... When it came out, definitely was a Bruce Willis fan. Was not like an in the living color guy, mm. Mm. so but I knew who Damon Wynn was from that, and from you know like he had little bit parts and like Colors, yeah, and um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. He was the banana of course, guy, yes. you yes. know, yeah, and he'd done some TV like in a Different World and some other things. So he, kind of, I knew who he was, and I knew he was related to Keenan. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I knew Kenan from Hollywood Shuffle and all. He They're was brothers, in right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he was in Hollywood Shuffle too. And mm-hmm. a small part in that. But uh, I think I saw this in the theaters. I think I remember being entertained by it. Like you said, it's popular popcorn movie. Yeah. Um, this is like what I call the the Friday night get some pizza movie. Yes,
2: know? definitely. You know yeah.
1: where you just like put your feet up and you know just kind of just let it all out. You know. Yeah. So, um, but I I don't I do remember. Like, cause I didn't love Tony's. Like, I didn't love Top Gun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't love uh, Beverly Hills Cop two. Mm-hmm. But I really liked this, probably because of Shane Black's script and the humor. Yeah, you know, and uh, and some of that, and then. Um,
2: and this was the 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 change in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. like Top Top Gun and and Beverly Hills Cop didn't look like with the frantic. Uh, and, right. and all that. Well,
0: he's starting to get there. You can see it definitely more Cop. in Beverly Hills Cop yeah. too, for sure. He's starting to angle that way. Yeah. Yeah, you can see some of it. In fact, you can almost call Scott like the architect of that Bruckheimer style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like when Michael Bay comes along afterwards, he's taking tenets of yeah. Scott's
2: style and and I'm glad that you that. you dropped those names because mm-hmm. that's I felt like Bruckheimer Michael Bay, like, their their DNA is in this movie oh, as yeah. I'm watching oh, yeah. it. Oh, and God. I forgot that, mm-hmm. you know, but going back and looking at this movie, you could see, I don't know, maybe it's a progenitor or an early uh, cousin of, of all of that style oh, sure. or yeah. whatever. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: His style, like, by the time he gets to, like, Man on Fire and all that later on, mm-hmm. it's like, what if cocaine was directing a movie? <laughs> yeah, it's just, and it's, yeah. it's not just it's
2: that just... filmmaking, but it's also... I think all those movies again have that injection of testosterone. Yeah, and you know, yeah, like like I could see you know some out in the country man's man type of man like enjoying these movies because of you know the t- the the male sense masculine sensibilities. Oh no, you're yeah. exactly right. Yeah. It's,
0: yeah. it's it's movies that my dad liked. Right, you know what I'm saying. He and I would be able to watch them. Yeah. But I knew he loved them. Yeah, you know what I'm saying because because it, it had plenty of killing in it. Yeah, you know it got a killing in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's,
1: it's, <laughs> it's good. It's somebody it's
2: good. gonna die. Dad. Yeah, well, it's, it's
1: that whole oh, it blowed up real good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's that whole enjoyment of the the explosions, which it kind of brings me to a uh, I, you know like a point of interest. You know, watching the movie and having seen it so many times. I, I started like in, putting it in on the notepad of my phone little things that kind of stood out to me like Eddie, Eddie Griffin as the DJ I didn't remember that at all yes. until I rewatched it this time and then they were playing that Prince song yeah, it, uh, and I was like oh man they had a Prince song yeah. in here and then he makes the reference uh, Damon Wayans makes the reference to Prince later on I like Prince
0: oh, ooh, you know, and you just see Bruce was <laughs>
1: great character for
0: just, just second. a second it Yeah, he, that, dude, he does
1: that but, exactly. <laughs>
2: I wish you, you can't translate that, you know, over the, just audible, but there's that Bruce Willis side Kind of sucks look, his teeth. Sucks and kind of his, his lips, purses yeah. his lips, turns his, and grins yeah. slightly. Yeah. then he'll say something. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. You know, he does that whole,
1: um, but what the thing I noticed was, like, people in Shane Black movies get killed in the most- over-the-top ridiculous ways it's like okay c4 car bombs and yeah. uh public executions and traffic accidents and how can we get this helicopter under him so he falls into exactly the you know that <laughs> and yeah. uh, or helicopters you know uh snipers and helicopters yeah. in ritzy neighborhoods in the canyons and yeah. you're like yeah you know just the craziest things like like in in lethal weapon the first one mm-hmm why would you blow up Dixie's house? Cause You got to make visual. a point. Yeah. Just strangle her like you would any other <laughs> prostitute. Did. You know that. I mean? yeah, yeah, just yeah. choke her out. Like, I mean, it's that's what visual. they do. With
2: the- it's just like you know. We talk a lot of comics, or you guys talk a lot of comics. And, yeah. You know, comics is about all right. I I got to tell this. This person has to die in this scene. How can this be visually interesting? You know. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, but I just it just seems like a waste of like our good C four. On the fifty dollar prostitute, <laughs> there's something about the uh, the risk investment here just doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. seem. <laughs> but uh, but I, that stood out to me. And then you know, um, um, the other thing was the uh, just in terms of like a trope was like foul mouthed or uh, bratty kids who don't like their parents. Oh man, that was an eighties and nineties trope for a long time. Like bad news bears. Yeah. Uh, adventures in Babysitting, True Lies. You know the kids. You know doesn't like the dad. And
0: but you know, but you know, it's a telltale sign that the uh, scriptwriter never had kids. You know right. what I'm saying? Just no, you, you're you're making the kids act like how you would want to have acted towards your parents. Right? You know, talking back and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs>
2: yeah. That that uh, I for, I don't know the actress's name, but she was in the uh, Halloween Danielle, movie. Daniel Harris. Harris. Yeah, yeah Danielle she Harris. she was definitely grating. I mean. Yeah, uh, especially w- w- when she and um, uh, Damian Wayne's character would talk like she would just get on my nerves. Oh, uh, that, right. That's the part of the movie where it was like,
0: Ooh. I'm going like, with you, me
2: please. Just, You're right. Right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> me, please move on to the woods. <laughs> me, please just go yeah.
1: like. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, Adrian, you mentioned uh, earlier about some of the issues with the story. What are, what are some of the things that were glaring to you in this oh. this recent watch that maybe weren't so much when you were you were younger? The glaring thing, the biggest incongruity is how people treated Jimmy
0: Dix in terms of, oh, um, my, my dad, Joe, you're, you're a, a hero to him, you know, but yet you treated Jimmy like shit, you know. And then even when they first come in, the daughter's like just talking all this bad shit and everything. And then we well, gets kicked out the bathroom and Joe tells him, get out. Right. She's waiting by the front door like, hey, sign my card. Right, yeah. Oh, now you know who he is? <laughs> right. Yeah. How do you not know that he has his high school number on the back of his head if yeah. you're such a fan of Wet Night? Yeah,
2: the, the whole fact that um, Hallenback was such a fan of Jimmy Dix, mm-hmm. and then, you know, he met him at the strip club. As if he didn't know who he was. Right. And he's you super know, this case, This case with protecting Corey is so important that I can't even... Hey, you know I I know who you are. I, I used to be a big fan, but I can't tell you anything about why I'm well, taking. Well, you know
0: I take yeah, that back, but again,
1: less less dynamic in terms of their meeting. Yeah. You know, in terms of the story, it's like okay, we got to have a thing where they, yeah, you know, becomes a you know like a, a pissing contest right. or whatever. So
0: yeah, but but you know he he did kind of acknowledge him. Like he threw some stats at him. He was like, yeah, Jimmy Dix, best arm in the league, eighty nine, ninety, L A, you know, whatever the team's name was, Stallions, yeah, yeah L A Stallions, yeah, you know blew your knee out or whatever like that so he knew of him yeah and i think but it just wasn't subtle enough right you know what i'm saying yeah so it's almost like he was trying to play it cool but he was so disappointed once he saw him doing drugs in the bathroom and everything right and then the other thing too was just like uh jimmy dix's character in general you know what i'm saying i thought he should have been a bit more assertive when the plot takes hallenbeck out for a minute You know, and then it's just Dick's like, okay, I got to find Joe. You know, none none of this. Oh, what would Joe do? What would Joe do? No, 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 no. You take the assertive role and say, all right, this this is the part of the film. This is part of the plot where it's like, all right, let me actually assert myself and build the character that way too. They didn't do enough of that. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah.
2: Well, they they painted Jimmy Dix as somebody who – like you remember in the car chase, he's squealing some. I heard you know yeah, a little, little bit yeah. of squealing, a little, a little bit, a little oh, bit. Shit. He, he handed him the revolver, yeah. and he's like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" You know, and
1: I'm like, "All right." And and, and so like like you're saying like oh car chase, okay, you never driven fast before. You're a football player, probably have Maserati or Ferrari right, or right. something. <laughs> yeah. And then he gives him the gun. And he's like, "Oh, what am I supposed to do with this?" But then at the end of the movie, he just <laughs> jumps on this horse you know and he's riding <laughs> yeah. and i'm like okay well were you raised in like you know northern california know. riding he horses that's what i'm too. saying like damn, yeah. like an old yeah. cowboy movie right? right right but i thought too like even like at the point where um the goons come and they crack you know Joe in the back of the head and mm-hmm. then the one guy drags him in the alley uh uh that actor and i forgot his name but Bajid Zola. jola yeah he's <laughs> i you you've seen you've seen him in other things oh yeah and you know, and then you know, of course, Hallenbeck's character starts wisecracking at him, yeah, and gets him to laugh, and then catches him with the bottle, You <laughs> bastard. And it was like, and, and I did like that thing. It was like, yeah, it was like a big pimp motherfucker wearing a hat, <laughs> 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 slap uh, slap her, her thigh, and ride the wave, in and all yeah. of that. You, know, all those were like classic, like bathroom yeah. jokes that we told in high school, or yeah. Whatever. But you know, it's, it's so funny how the
0: movie is so self-aware. You know, like, it's totally aware of itself. It almost breaks the fourth wall. It's almost as if Bruce Willis wants to look at you, the audience, and, like... And make you laugh. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But it's so aware of itself. And it's almost as if Shane Black is just... Because right here is where, like, that whole 80s action movie wave is really reaching its zenith, really Mm -hmm. reaching its crest. Right. I don't think it really reaches the sheer apex until, of all things, Last Action Hero, where there's enough behind it to make fun of that whole genre. Right. But here you have Shane Black doing it in the script. Like, he knows what this is. Yeah. He wrote one of the movies that was the blueprint for what this is. Yeah. Right. So, of course, he's going to be aware of it
1: and poke fun at it. You know what I'm saying? Right. 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 Definitely that. Definitely that. And, um, I think that's kind of the thing, like, in Shane Black movies, you know, the, the... over-the-top killing—that's something you see a lot. The wisecracking kind of a kind of a strong lead—you see that a lot. Yeah, definitely a stripper has got to die, oh, or is. a prostitute has <laughs> got to Stripper's die. Gotta oh. die man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's got to be some drugs. There's got to be a big bad. There's got to be like a mini big bad, which I guess was Taylor ne- uh, Negron's yeah, character, be a Mi- Milo. To the big bad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. You know, you got what have. a great
2: character he was.
1: Too. He was, he was, and he's like somebody as a character actor that you've seen in many things. Mm-hmm. Even though he has a slight lisp. And he had that frosted hair and he he kind of struck you as maybe just a bit effeminate. Sure. He was still very sinister yeah. and like scary where you yeah. were just like. I don't even want to fuck with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> you, know,
0: <laughs> you, know. you know what it reminded me of? It remind, There were several um, callbacks to, of all things, Chinatown in here. Mm-hmm. You know, one where he has Joe cornered, and he puts the uh, knife, the switchblade, up to Joe's nostril. Right. And
1: I, always, yeah. I thought oh, about yeah. that right away. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah,
2: yeah. I did get, I remembered thinking of that scene when that. Yeah, you, you know, z huh? Face. You know, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, we okay. did a Nuzzy Vice? yeah. <laughs> To get our noses kept. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a brief tangent uh, or divergent. Another uh, slight callback to that and I told you and I texted you I don't think you responded but I re Deep Cover recently. Oh, I, I did respond to you. Did yeah, you? We talked about it. Yeah. Okay, I, I can remember mm-hmm. if we did or not. But in Deep Cover the bad guy goes up to West uh, Wesley Snipes. He goes up to uh, Lawrence Fishburne and he snatches his earring out of his ear. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, you know, the, every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> so that even reminded me of a uh, Chinese right. when when he uh, when that happened. But um, but yeah, you're right, man. But yeah, a lot of the st- the stuff that you're talking about, like you're saying, like this was, I think Shane Black's third script. The yeah. third one that
0: he sold, and and it, there was a bidding war for it. Like yeah. this was also around the time that a lot of those scripts were starting to go mm-hmm. for a buku money. Mm-hmm. There was Last Boy Scout, and then after this, there was Basic Instinct, mm-hmm. uh, by Joe Eszterhas, I think. Mm-hmm. And you know that script going for all, it sold for over a million dollars. Was th- was it three
1: million? I read it was something like that. Like he what? got up high. So I think he got. Shane got $1.7 for this. Mm -hmm. And then after this, Joe Esterhaus got $3 for Basic Instinct. That's right. And then Shane Black got $4 for The uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. What? $4 million.
0: Wow. $4 (laughs) million. I know they put a cap on there. It was like, that's gonna be enough of this shit right here. Right. Yeah. (laughs) For
1: writing. Yeah. Wow. And then you gotta think like uh, William Goldman, you know, who's considered the greatest screenwriter of all time. You know, he would get it's almost like when you look at, like, pro football players today and the, the big yeah. script, uh, contracts that they get today. And then the guys back in the day who had worse equipment, worse padding, bodies got beat the fuck up, yep. you know, way quicker. And they would make, like, you know, if, if the richest guy in the NFL in the 50s maybe made $100,000. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's Rudy Poop money now, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, they would have
0: to have a second job and shit. Yeah, 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 you
1: know, I, yeah. So, yeah, but said four million bucks. Damn. Four million bucks. And supposedly, Joel Silver wasn't the one who outbid... Uh, there was another company that actually outbid Joe Silver. They wanted to pay closer to two million oh. for the script, but he had a relationship with Silver from Lethal Weapon, and he was just like, you know, he just felt like, okay, this guy will be able to translate the movie better. hmm And actually, odd enough, supposedly this is the movie that Shane Black supposedly said, okay... I just needed to direct my own movies because, you know, nobody does them right. Nobody does them the way I feel them. He didn't feel like this movie was done? Well, from what I understand, he wrote the script, turned it in. They said the script was a lot darker and it was better than the movie. Everybody's read the original script says it's better. It is. But they rewrote it to death. And uh-huh. so some of the incongruities. I would like to
2: read, like, w- I wonder how it, how it could be darker. I guess take the comedic element out of yes. Damon Wayne's character, Jimmy Dick's character. hmm and you know lean into the fact he lost his his wife and
0: that's exactly what it yeah. is when you read the original script that's exactly what it is
2: well i mean if you, i could see this movie or right, this movie is a vehicle for the action movie we've been talking about but mm-hmm. i can see this movie also being a true nod uh an exercise in you know noir you know oh, like sure. like yeah. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. the the pi noir right um probably the happy ending there wouldn't be a, an irish jig on the on the <coughs> it would probably be something
1: or joe doesn't shave yeah. and he gets back with his wife at the yeah. end and they're all on the lawn and he goes walking and yeah. hey, maybe we'll, you'll come to work for me in my business no, <laughs> That wouldn't happen <laughs> <at the>, yeah. <laughs> yeah right yeah, yeah. but yeah you're, you're right about that uh for sure did you guys uh was there anything else that stood out to you all watching this at this most recent time that again just didn't didn't uh, stand out uh, <laughs> the death
2: of the dogs oh yeah did y'all catch that like no like when okay. the car blew up dog
1: number one the
2: ball the yeah ball. The, the ball yeah. that that was burning after uh,
1: oh yeah I didn't oh yeah, yeah. that oh, dog yeah. died yeah yeah exactly <laughs> okay it's
2: Zeus and Apollo um, uh, Shelly Marcones Shelly Marcones dogs, Marcon's dogs they're gone too they got blown blown up that's right that's three dogs in one movie man Uh, you can't do that
1: nowadays yeah 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 you're right about that um
2: I felt like it was fast paced like to the nth degree I mean it just moved man but I mean that's fine yeah um you know, I, I noticed how much it, it followed like
0: that lethal weapon formula almost. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: note by note by note. You have the car scene where, the, and always in Joel Silver movies, you have the scene where both of the protagonists are in a car right. and they have that bonding moment there. Right. You know, always. They happen to leave the right. weapon. Right. They're riding in the car, they bond. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you gotta see. You got to have the domestic life. Oh, why not you come over for dinner, man? Let's, you know, let's, let's sit and chat. Yeah. So right. you see how One of their domestic – we see both of their domestic lives, but we see one with the
2: family. So we get
0: that interaction with the family, you know, this type of thing. Yeah. You know, like, oh,
2: man, you got got a great wife and kids there, man. What's Jimmy Dick's domestic life when he's standing over uh, (laughs) (laughs) – Smoking going, oh, man, man. Corey's going to find out about (laughs) this. Yeah.
0: But that's what it is, too. I mean, look at that. I mean, also with Lethal Weapon, you see Martin Riggs, his home life is smoking, just self loathing, yeah. suicidal, yeah. hanging exactly. out with his dog. Yeah, that's yeah. the dog's well, Murtaugh's domestic, <laughs> Joe, you know, domesticity. You know, yeah, that's not even a and word, but
1: <laughs> domesticity is that there? We no, go, that sounds that what, better. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Domesticity. you get but, it. But you know what? That's that's funny because, again, even some of uh. I think the actors probably brought a little more of uh, to life as far as the Murtaugh's in uh, Lethal Weapon, because to some extent, Shane Black, you know, he was a single guy then. Mm-hmm. It's his idea of what he thinks married life right. is and whatnot. <laughs> he sure, yeah, he's not. Yeah, right. Um, okay, you know, and and but I think it, it worked and it felt it certainly felt real enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even when they finally paired uh, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, when they finally paired. Um, Martin Riggs up with uh, Rene Russo's character, and, and they became a couple. That felt okay. The third one, man, yeah, but the fourth one with the baby and all of that—that that yeah. felt that felt pretty good. That felt pretty good. Yeah. So I, I I agree with you, man. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the uh, uh, this was a spec script. Oh yeah. This was an original idea by Shane Black, so it wasn't something he was paid to do. This wasn't something it wasn't an assignment or commission. Hmm. He I was, wonder if he was
2: trying to reach for the buddy like I wonder like what's the connective uh, tissue between this and 48 hours and the you know your standard buddy cop yeah. there like well silver
0: that's the connective tissue yeah silver knows he has the instinct for what would the audience love um it's all about dynamics mm-hmm. you know you have the racial dynamic black white yeah you have the Age dynamic, you know, one older experienced, one younger, not as experienced. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing with those and you know what the audience will respond to. You know, throw a dash of um, action, a dash of, you know, comedic timing in there. Stir the pot up. You got it. Yeah, That's what a Joel Silver movie A is.
2: patina of Holly Berry.
1: Just a little. Yes. Just a little <laughs> You know what? Uh, I was going to mention uh, Chelsea Field who played uh, Sarah, Bruce, mm. uh, Bruce Willis' character's yeah. wife. Yes. Like a thankless role thankless role the whole time she's just this complaining shrew Joe you're never around Joe where you been Joe yeah, da- yeah. Da- 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 Joe she's cheating on him she's cheating on him not only cheating on him she's cheating on him with a friend of his yeah. Yeah. and then you know and then at the end of the movie you know she's oh I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry it was just like they just didn't give her any redemption at all it was like no moment where you just like and, and actually I think in the original script she's supposed to I think in the original script Shane Black had her be captured, and she, she had to have died, right? Well, I mean, no, she kills Taylor Negron's character, Milo. She mm, kills him, yeah. and then and you know and then he you know he uh, uh, rescues her, and then I think when they approached Bruce Willis about it, he was like, "I don't want to do another movie where I play like some guy who rescues his wife. I just did that in Die Hard twice, right? Yeah. So he didn't want to do it again. So that's when they introduced the daughter, and that's when that whole part of it kind of kind of went its way. But yeah, just the idea, like her character is just you know how she's just supposed to be the nagging wife. But you know, I, I thought it was cool that he was like, you know, yeah, but I still love my wife. I wish I still didn't love my wife, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. And I thought that was actually kind of cool. But you didn't understand why he felt that way. They didn't really explore that. And in this type of movie, they're not gonna. You know?
2: It's funny that you should bring up the that Bruce Willis had you know interjected that he wanted that to happen with the daughter instead of the wife because now that upon watching it. I felt like after the daughter was captured, and she's a child. I don't know, right. 10 or Eight, 10, Yeah,
1: old enough to curse,
2: but yeah. yeah. But like the 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 story is like, oh, what do we do with the daughter? Want to keep them going? So the first thing they did was they left her with the the guy at the pool, mm-hmm. which right. is like, okay, I guess he he'll see her off safely. And then the second time, <laughs> uh, Bruce Willis is like turning her loose at the stadium. Yeah. Which I would never do that to my you know nine right. year old. I, you know, yeah, go find a cop. Good luck. All the best. <laughs> you know, like and it's like, yeah, I, I mean, but if it was the wife instead of her, she would be a little more, I guess, self sufficient.
1: Maybe so, and that's what uh, you just made me think. That's what I was going to bring up when Adrian was talking about incongruent, incongruencies. So, like, he he stabs the guy in the neck with the bottle, you know, in the beginning, yeah. and you and bastard. gets away, <laughs> and then you know when they have him surrounded. You know, in the woods. Uh-huh guns just guns upon guns henchmen upon henchman. akimbo and then the daughter comes walking up yeah, with this, this with the, the little, the little uh, cat doll or whatever and he yeah. and then he starts telling jokes again I'm like this is supposed to work again you're gonna wise crack hey, yourself out yeah. of this yeah. it worked while ago you know that's my move that's my move man <laughs> yeah. and I was just like okay you know and I'd be scared shitless if my kid showed up at a situation oh, yeah, like I, wouldn't that, would, like,
2: yeah, I wouldn't be able to you would say wait he, this guy related to this child somehow or Somehow, he, yeah. is, he is reacting. And, and they just let her walk up.
1: Hey, mister. Don't you want to see my cat?
2: What's he <laughs> handing her? <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, another thing too is um uh, 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 another tenet of, you know, Tony Scott style at this time is you have his admiration of John Woo, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can also see it as early as Beverly Hills Cop 2 as well mm-hmm. when uh, Judge Reinhold's character has the duster and the sunglasses and the um, shotgun just like, yun Fat, mm-hmm. you know. I think he has a yun Fat poster on his wall too in his apartment. Okay, so you see the two handed gunplay that Wu does show up here numerous times, right? Where Bruce Wu ping ping ping, ping.
1: Yeah. like Chow-yung Fat and uh, oh, name yeah. him. Killer, the Killer, uh, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which exactly. I
2: have it on good authority, you can't hit anything when you try to shoot like that.
1: Oh, oh really? Yeah. yeah,
2: I had a buddy. He's a cop, and he. <laughs> He was doing some target practice. I mean, he was trying to, you know, hit stuff. You, you can't hit anything when you're shooting both, yeah, both ends. Because
0: yeah. you, because you got to kind of steady yourself. You got to brace your wrist. Yeah, and just kinda, you might yeah.
2: get one shot off, but then you know it's you just spraying bullets. You yeah, just. you you just all over the map.
1: My late brother-in-law had a security company, and he used to say all the time. He said, you know, I go target practice twice a month. Mm-hmm. You know, just sharp, sharp. And he, you know, he said, you know, but still, when your adrenaline is flowing, he says you're gonna miss. Mm. Yeah, you're just gonna miss. Yeah, you know, and you see videos of people like, you know, getting shot in close quarters and it's like grazed or whatever. Like yeah. hardly any of them hit yeah. center mass or hit anything, anything vital. It's just, just kind of the way it goes. So That actually yeah. makes makes perfect sense. But yeah,
2: um, so- that's another thing. Everything happens up close in a gunfight too. If there's distance. Uh, and especially if a cop's involved, well, you, you know, somebody
1: true. needs to be investigated.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there shouldn't be any distance.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, I got dug up some, some interesting trivia, and Adrian may know this, though. You may know some of this, too. Some of this I kind of knew, but um, this script was originally called Die Hard. What? Really? It was originally called Die Hard, and Silver said, hey, can I use that title for another movie? Damn. And he said, yeah, sure. So he let him use it for Die Hard in 88. 88, yeah. 88. It would fit in this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he came up with something less. But originally, Die Hard was called uh, Nothing Lasts Forever based That's on right, the, on right, the novel. Yeah. Um, Shane Black got $1.7 million for the script. Um, went through extensive rewrites. And, oh, and Adrian kind of mentioned this in our text exchange earlier. The drugged out, psychotic football player in the beginning who goes on the rampage. Yeah,
0: Billy <laughs> Go really
1: cold it <laughs> <laughs> gets that phone call and then the rain and the yeah. darkness that, and that, that scene is great that man. scene is oh, it, i love that scene. it it's looks fantastic. great yeah. it's kind of crazy but, but how it looks, are you playing <laughs> football in yeah. this it's just everyone is just drenched yeah just yes. soggy yeah but you know even the fans are like we still want to be here yeah just yeah. so yeah. like real football like Tied real out. football yeah yeah But uh, the actor who played Billy Cole was Billy Blank. Billy Blank. Billy Blank. Absolutely. The creator of Tybo. (laughs) Tybo. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah. uh.
0: (laughs) And the kid who calls him is Morris Chestnut. Is it? That's that that Oh my God! Billy Cole. Billy Cole. That's Morris Chestnut. Wow. Oh wow.
2: (laughs) That's incredible. And don't forget how big of a monster Billy Cole's character is. Yeah, yeah. He shoots another play. He's going to kill himself. Why would he kill this other player? Right. What was the <laughs> point of killing him?
1: Yeah. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, the 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 scene in the pool with uh, the nose in the brain.
2: Ah, baby. Yeah. Ah, yes! Oh yes! yeah. Bam! yeah, yeah.
1: Ah! <laughs> and then he bam shoots the nose in the brain. Uh. Uh, was taken from the original Lethal Weapon script. It was cut out or take rewritten written out or whatever, and he thought it was such a cool idea that he put it in this. Mm-hmm. And also too medically impossible to push someone's. That's not true. I that's what that's what I, that's what I read is. Right. <laughs> I,
2: I mean, I've gone my whole life thinking, man, if I hit somebody just right, just right. Well, you do hear that happen. It know. happened
1: recently. Some guy punched a guy, and the guy died. Like later, after the fact, punched him in the nose, and something this. like that. Yeah, and it. You know, went in and and then it fucked him up. And he, yeah, he he died. Hit me again, I'll kill you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Halle Berry refused to do nudity, even though she was playing a stripper.
2: Well,
0: that stopped Damon Wayans from just rubbing all of her goodies. I was like, God, dog! And she's like,
1: behave. Okay, well, you're laying between it my looks legs. Like, right. it looks
2: like they just got done. done. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Y'all,
1: y'all just got through doing the nasty. Why, why, why now can't he, he gotta behave? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, later on in another Joel Silver production, Swordfish, she actually does reveal the Tatas oh, yes. in uh, 2001. So, um, Mentioned earlier about they had four editors on this because uh, Tony Scott. Uh, you know, he shot so much coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, when Tony Scott directed True Romance, and that came out like a year or two after this. Yeah. He based uh, the character that Lee Donowitz played, Sal Rabinick, the, the film producer. hmm That was based on Joel Silver. Oh. <laughs> so if you remember that character, he was kind of like this coked out asshole. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know. That was supposed to be Joel Silver. Like he just said, just be Joel Silver. And I guess Lee Donnell was just... Re- oh my just gosh, re- really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and again, yeah, Shane Black uh supposedly, you know, said, okay, I got to direct my own scripts after this because, you know, it was just the, the whole thing in this movie was they said too was like, you know, talking about the movie Dripping Testosterone. They said it was just an egos, just alphas and egos all day. Bruce Willis. Had done both successful Die Hards. He had done Look Who's Talking One and Two, which was successful. That's an Hulk. Yeah, that was.
2: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but he was definitely like feeling himself. Um, Tony Scott was. He had a lot of success. Sure. You know, He had Beverly Hills Cop. He had um, Revenge. Top Gun. He had Revenge. In uh, Days of Thunder. Wah, wah. Yes. <laughs> Where was
2: uh, the Spy Game? The Spy Game wasn't... That's later. It's yeah, like 96, later. 97, One of my favorite movies. I oh, yeah. love that movie.
1: Um, but yeah, there was supposedly, there was a lot of ego play going on. And then Shane Black, you know, he's like, even though he's a screenwriter, you know, they had him do all the rewrites. And he's like, you know, you know, that 1.7, if you rewrite... And that's the thing in Hollywood. Some scripts get rewritten like... 15, 20 times, mm-hmm. you know, before you finally get to a shooting script, and even then, they're still doing rewrites sometimes, you know, while they're uh, while they're shooting. So, but um, in terms of everybody's career, and then we can talk a little bit about uh, uh, like Tony Scott and uh, in, in, in specifically. But uh, prior to this, so we had Bruce Willis. He had done Moonlighting. He had done both Die Hard's and Look Who's Talking. Wayans had done the things we mentioned, and he had done I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. That's right. Uh, before this. Um, Shane Black had only done Lethal Weapon 1 and 2. So this was literally his third the third script that he sold. Now, Joel Silver of course. was the beast. Right? Yes. Before this movie, mm. he had done Warriors, mm. 48 Hours, Xanadu. <laughs> he, he produced Xanadu? He produced Xanadu. What? Streets of Fire. Yes. A weird Science. Mm, really? Commando, mm. Lethal Weapon, Predator. Action Jackson, that's right. Die Hard, Roger Rabbit, and Roadhouse—all before He's the this. biggest fish in, in the yes, pool, the dish. yeah. Everybody probably had to be like, "Look, well, you got to buy down yeah, to this guy." We, yeah, yeah, we exactly. got to. Yeah, I mean, god damn, you mean that is a fucking resume, yo? Yeah. Sheesh. So, um, anyway, just really interesting, and 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 again, this movie wasn't a, a super successful m- movie in terms of its box office, but you know, we love it. Yeah,
0: and uh, now now let me ask you this before we move on. Sure, do you feel like a movie like this and movies of its ilk could be made today the same way? No, because you were talking about testosterone. I
2: think the audience is too cynical and too they too sensitive too. They're yes, too sensitive, but yes. they're they're also too. It's not, it, they know what this type of movie is. Right. Like they, they would identify like, oh, they're gonna do this next. It's gotta hit this right. point. It's gonna do this.
1: Um We're we're thirty something, forty something years into action movies well, of this kind. What's
2: yeah. a what's a modern action movie that we can think? That would be John Wick. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. John Wick. And what is John Wick doing but playing on I mean, you got fantastical uh, Gunplay,
1: yeah. yeah, gunfu.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I think the the movie-going audience is just there's a bit of cynicism, there's sensitivity. Oh, yeah. I think that you know a lot of creators are trying to figure out well, what can we get
1: away with, what we can't get away with. I think also too, like what you're talking about in terms of the motivation, the motivation can't just be I'm going to punch my way out, I'm going to shoot my way out, or whatever. So, for instance, with John Wick. His wife died, so they try to make him a sympathetic character. Then they kill his dog. Which makes him super sympathetic. Right. Mm -hmm. So now... And then the whole two-thirds of the rest of the movie just becomes how awesome it is seeing him cap guys, like, shoot them and then shoot them in the head. This is Shoot them and then shoot them in the head. But see, and and
0: that's why the pieces that I've seen of John Wick and a lot of modern action movies strike me like
1: this. Mm-hmm. Man,
2: they boring. I, I man, was just about to say, yeah, I get so bored. Like,
1: I do get bored. The John Wick movies are good. The first one was great. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the second one, they're all entertaining. Like, m- way more than you would think that they are. If you got sat down and watched them, you'd find it entertaining. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like a one trick whatever, but I think that Braxton is right that there would be another angle to it. Like when, For instance, the, uh, another weird tie-in is is this is... Uh, Damon Wayans is in this, and he was in the Lethal Weapon TV show. Yeah. And he actually didn't get along with his co-star in the same way that they say that Bruce Willis and Damon didn't get along in this movie. But I didn't watch that TV show, but I imagine they wrote it out differently. It wasn't the same Murtaugh's that we saw in the film. The family dynamic wasn't exactly the same. Um, and the you just couldn't have Martin Riggs just being you know this crazy guy who's just out here. Killing and shooting and doing all this watch. Wise- I'm sure they wrote it in such a way to you can't for it make, to make a TV sense. show of that. Yeah, to yeah, for it to make sense, and then also episodically speaking. So, yeah, I don't think it could be made today. Certainly not with the testosterone and the the language. You know, uh, a couple of fags were dropped in there. They, that wouldn't yeah. happen. If or if it did, somebody get castigated for it. Well, right. it's not just
2: you know? the 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 saying that, but it's also, you know, he's he's. It's the sensibility is there, like, you know, he's throwing shade on prints and yeah.
0: And and rap music.
1: Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, but you want to no. play some rap music. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even him calling the guy like a big pimp looking motherfucker with that. Yeah. hat. Yeah. It was just fucking funny. It yeah. just was. But today <laughs> I was thinking that as I'm looking yeah. at it. it exactly. A big <laughs> <motherfucker, you laughs> yeah. But if he said that today,
0: you know, it'd be some like, Hey, uh-uh, uh uh oh, hell right. no. Yeah.
1: Right, 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 mm-hmm. right. So I I don't know. And then also too Every character in the movie is kind of that. Yeah. Even the kid, the kid with her foul mouth. Joe's kind of a scumbag. Jimmy Dix is kind of a drugged out scumbag. Corey's a stripper. Mm-hmm. Marcone's, you know, they're the bad guys are yeah. the bad guys. Uh, the so cap- you're, you're saying we got more
2: sophisticated movies and characterizations now than than these but, uh,
1: broad strokes of maybe so, but yeah. to, but to some extent less fun and now right. As we've discussed many times before, Adrian and I, and you probably have yourself, the action movie has been given over to superheroes now. Yeah. There, there hardly aren't any action movies unless they're on Netflix or.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, you know stuff like the Fast and Furious movies, they transformed from what they were racing cars, driving fast, maybe right. a little crime in there. Yeah. To now, i seen the most ridiculous shit the other day. I saw a piece of this, I guess this latest one, where they go to space. Yeah. But they're wearing like the diving, <laughs> the old diving bell suits yeah. and they're driving a car into space. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> fuck?
1: <laughs> hey, man. They're doing it. And yeah. so, so now, the only action movies you see are going to be like John Wick. Mm-hmm. Um... Like something on streaming, like uh, Gunpowder Milkshake, that movie with uh.
2: Yeah. I say what? Well, yeah, it, you it's, saw a uh, polar, which was a comic. It was on Netflix. Yeah,
1: um, some of the Korean action movies are really great. I've okay. been watching a lot of those recently.
2: Huh. Yeah, it's. I think. I think it's more about. It seems like now there's so much content being produced that you're you're getting a lot of experimental stuff just to see if it'll stick mm-hmm. you know i mean there's just think about netflix and and hulu and and amazon prime and all these they have to produce like what is their interpretation of an action movie now what's it going to look like and you know there there's boardrooms and stuff where they're you know yeah trying to figure it out what's what is the the interesting slant that's going to be different than yeah. What everyone else is doing.
1: So now you see, and again, the major studios, they're, like, for instance, this is Shane Black's script for this was, was an original script. Major studios are, look, based on an IP. hmm Everything has to be based on an IP so it can be franchised, so that we can tie it into other things. So whatever the nerd community is from this IP, whether it be novels or comics or video games or whatever, they'll come to this thing. And then we get more people, and then we make all the money, and then we franchise the shit out of it until it has yeah. no pulse left. Yep. And so now, any original kind of action movies like Gunpowder Milkshake, um, um, John Wick, which was, was a major studio movie, but like streaming movies, like that movie with Michael, Jor- uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Without Remorse. Oh, that yeah. That was so good. Yeah, like a Tom Clancy. It's more of a military action movie. That's where they're making those movies at, because studios just... Don't really have much much use for him. Don't have much time for him, So, mm-hmm. um, mm. Interestingly enough. But, quick um, aside. Yeah. Did you see... Um,
2: who's the guy that played Thor? Uh, Chris,
1: Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth.
2: Did you see that action movie that they did where he played this uh, uh, military contractor or whatever? That was I, good. I think Swain was talking about the extraction. Yeah. That was so it good. It was so good, man. And it was good because they were doing experimental... Uh, did you see any of the filming Nothing like behind the scenes. No, oh, I just didn't. just go to YouTube and look at behind the scenes. The director is like, like he's filming everything from the the hood of a car chasing them,
1: uh, you know, through these war torn streets or whatever. It's it's. it's I, I mean, I, I know I mentioned this to you before, but yeah, that's worth checking out. Extraction. My wife and I were like, oh man, that was, that was pretty goddamn good. It <laughs> <laughs> was real good. Yeah, it yeah. was good. Uh, the Michael B. Jordan one was pretty good. I didn't oh, love that one quite as much. And um that movie with Chris Hemsworth, no I mean Chris, Chris Pratt, uh The Tomorrow War. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh yeah. The the the, the aliens and, and the lead up to
2: them, the reveal of them. I don't, know, don't spoil that, nothing. But. I'm not gonna spoil okay. anything. Mm-hmm. But when they're revealed. All right. It was so affecting and and the they didn't look like what's that Tom Cruise movie? What, War of the World? Uh, yeah,
1: where you see...
2: Well, not that one. you talking one, about... Uh, where he dies and comes back.
1: It's called Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah. But it was called something else. They re- the Edge of Tomorrow? Re- yeah. No, that was a different one. Oh, okay. That came out or at the same time. <laughs> I forgot what it was called. Yeah, yeah. but... Yeah. Well... No, I think it was Edge
2: of at, Tomorrow. Oh, yeah, okay. I think it might have been Edge of Tomorrow. But yeah. but the... the it's, like, it's like they spent so much time on the design of the monsters or the aliens or the threat. Mm-hmm. Well, in this Chris Pratt joint, man, they spent... The proper amount of time And I mean they are really yeah. It's yeah. a good one
1: Yeah It's All a right. really good Even also It's not an action movie Well like Maybe like a family action Horror movie or whatever But uh, A Quiet Place 2 Yeah it no. is kind of family I would say that Yeah That's very It was good, pretty good It was good It was pretty good Huh The first one is great But this one was pretty good And I loved the uh, When they finally showed you The aliens When they showed up Yeah And you were like just in the middle of town aliens just show up flipping cars over and just like just going crazy but, like cap, damn you know uh, it was it was it was crazy but it was it was very good it was really good you know for a movie where they don't talk much in it you know yeah. and they did do a good decent bit of talking and I liked uh, Cillian Murphy yeah uh, his, I liked his character yeah. being added added in. that was too.
2: a good movie I, th- yeah. I saw that in theaters out of town on the job
1: okay uh, yeah yeah good one but um the late Tony Scott his, his yeah. career man uh, mm. we're all fans um and I'm kind of a fan, like, early and then kind of dropped off a little bit and mm-hmm. then kind of came back in the middle and then dropped off a little bit and then came back again kind of toward the end. Yeah. But uh, where do you guys stand with him?
2: I I love his – you know, when I think of him, I think of certainly Spy Game. I had mentioned that being my favorite. Mm-hmm. Didn't he do in- Enemy of the State? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like the frantic uh, filmmaking that he does. I mean, I feel like it's – I don't know. Something about seeing his movies, I feel for me back then, especially all of that translated into you know a well-produced, good movie. You know, good action movie, good tight performances. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was really taken aback, you know, when he took his own life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I still don't know the, and I I, I was going to read about it last night, but I said, you know what, I'm gonna let Swain and oh, fellas fill me in. <laughs> What happened with him? You know what? What was the deal? I've
1: heard two different stories. I've heard that he was <clears throat> had suffered from depression most of his life. One, and then I heard. I think they say that Ridley Scott, in, a, in an interview well after this, said that uh, he had been diagnosed with cancer and that he was kind of dealing with treatments. Mm-hmm. And his family had decided to keep it. You know, they didn't talk about it at all in in public and whatever. And you know, he just went to this bridge in I think San Jose or somewhere, yeah. San Pedro or somewhere, and just jumped off, and two of the people who were there on the bridge with him said, one person said he kind of hesitated and then he jumped. Another person said he just literally just got out of the car and climbed up and just jumped. And uh, and they found antidepressants in his, his bloodstream and some, other, and some other stuff. So, I mean, you know... Tragic. Yeah, 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 very tragic. Because, I mean, he was a talented filmmaker. Absolutely. You know, I was... I, I watched, uh, like, well after the fact. I didn't see it in theaters and I didn't, you know, had no interest, but... Um, I watched Unstoppable maybe like a, a year or two oh, ago. Oh yeah, with well, Chris Pine. Yeah, and I was and I, was, I kind of was like, oh, God. Chris Pine and Denzel and Rosario. Did. Denzel though, uh, you yeah, know. but it was but. kind. It's kind of like you know Denzel and playing the old man vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he, it was good, and it was entertaining, and it was you know fast paced, and it, you know it had all of the you know all the stuff that you like, and. Uh it wasn't quite as kinetic and as as crackly no, as yeah. um, like you know Man on Fire or or something like this. Dumb, but man. uh but I enjoyed it, man. And I enjoyed, even though it didn't have the humor that the original did, the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Yeah. Oh, okay. I enjoyed that I as that a remake. A I thought that was really good. Um Deja Vu is another one I like. Mm. You know, another movie he did with Denzel. Yeah. Man on Fire, I think is is best. That's probably one of my best. favorite movies, yeah. Yeah, that's their best collaboration to me, where I was just like, wow, this is just this is all the things I want from Denzel. Yeah. I want him killing people and then being doing that cool Denzel walk afterwards. That's all uh, for you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I want it. Uh, but, he, you know, Crimson Tide, True yes. Romance, Days of Thunder, et cetera. So um, what about you, Adrian?
0: Man, for me, it's all about his aesthetic, like um, especially like his 80s through his very early 90s aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about the smoke. It's all about the orange tint. His movies, when he does them, they're Mm -hmm. California movies. Like, if California was a film, it would be a Tony (laughs) Scott movie. Yeah. That orange tint, even though it's bright and sunny outside, Mm -hmm. you know. And the way he, I think he got some of this from Ridley as well. Little things he puts in the background to stimulate or irritate your eye. Mm -hmm. You know how Ridley Scott has that thing of, like, something's against the wall and it's scintillating. There's some type of light outside that's just scintillating against the wall just to add visual interest. Mm Mm-hmm. You saw a lot of that in Last Boy Scout, you know, mm-hmm. like when um, they're in the pool, they'll cast a light off the pool to have that shimmering against the wall, mm-hmm. you know, or when um, Bruce Willis was at home, and he was in the domestic scene. It's all white, but there are shafts of lights coming through the curtains and everything, right? To really, it really looks like a music video, which is something he obviously right. did as well, but. Just there's certain hallmarks about that Tony Scott lighting, that Tony Scott cinematography that really just sits so right with me. Like I love that stuff. You know, and you and think about this too. You really don't see anybody. This sounds real stupid, but you really don't see anybody tilting the camera anymore, you know, and doing those subjective shots. Come on, like, like that. the Dutch angle? Dutch angle? You don't see Dutch angles anymore.
2: <laughs> wow. Thank you. You don't yeah. see that
0: anymore. But just stuff like, okay. When um, Beck is knocked out, he's coming to, and there's that move of like, he's turning the camera, but then his flashbacks are also turning, skewed to the side. And stuff like that, you really don't see that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, just, not not just, you know, cinematic gymnastics, I would call it. Not like the Palmering thing, but just something where you use the camera as a part of storytelling to where now, a lot of action movies and, you know, filming like that is just so distant. It's just so, here's a medium shot. We'll go to a close-up, but still, it's still just, everything's at a distance. Yeah. It's not visceral. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what Scott brought to his movies, you know, just the visual and the visceral, Yeah, you know, and I don't think that, and I think people have taken tenets of that to try and replicate it, but you really can't replicate that, you know, he was kind of the master, the architect of that style, for sure.
2: One of my favorite Shots in the movie was when Hallenbach was hit over the back of the head, and the, the, it cut to a shot that was overhead, overhead, and it was right when he got hit and he and he fell. Yep. And so you it, you see him like falling forward from above or whatever, right? Right when it hit him, I guess that's a Tony Scott shot. You know? Yes.
0: And before that too, another thing you don't see, and this is this is almost like a comic booky shot too. Where he's outside of the bar and he's looking up at the um, billboard of Bayard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love that shot. Like it almost, it it had to be in post production. Somebody composited that together. I
2: couldn't tell how far he was away from that billboard until he threw it. The way he could
1: throw a bottle on top of a building and hit a billboard. I was like, wow, you got an arm, yo. You need to join the NFL.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But those type of shots you don't really see anymore. You know, and the other thing too that I was thinking, and I'll, I'll give it over to you. Is With the movie, I was thinking about it, too. I don't know if Frank Miller saw this movie. I don't know if he even <laughs> knew this movie existed. But there is a lot of stuff in this movie that you see in other Sin City issues. You know, um, one of the characters has an issue with a high-ranking government official there in Sin City. That's uh, that yellow bastard. Okay. Um there was another there was another thing of um, strippers.
1: Strippers, yes.
0: Strippers, yeah. strippers, 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 strippers. Strippers, strippers, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like there's a lot Sex of that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of that that's in here from, you know, that you can see in like the last Boy Scout. But again, that may have just been indicative of, you know, that time period. You know, that's reflective of okay, this stuff is out there in the zeitgeist of these movies. We'll bring that sensibility to these comics. But I thought there were things in the movie itself that felt very comic booky, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And that's something and not comic booky in the sense of it's superheroes like what people would know today. Right, but certain shots the way they're composited, it's like wow, that's an angle that you wouldn't see normally in life, but you would see it exaggerated in like a comic book sense. You know what I'm right. saying?
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, Giving you guys the last word. Do you guys think that um, how much? Because you mentioned it here a second ago. How much do you think Tony Scott's style? Uh, Pairs up with Ridley's style in terms of as a director and as an aesthetics, because they're like if you if you hadn't told me they were they were brothers and then you told me after the fact, I could feel it and kind of sense it, but I'm not exactly sure what it is that I'm sensing.
2: Hit hit me with five Ridley Scott movies: Alien, Alien,
0: Blade Runner, Um, Somebody's Watching Me, Uh, No Someone to Watch Over Me, Uh, 1492, Um, Kingdom of Heaven. Um, um, uh, there's one in 80, 80, the Duelist, that's 77.
2: I feel like Ridley Scott is more of a, I don't know, a, a measured, mm. uh, filmmaker where he's, mm-hmm. he's, 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 he's slowing down a l- whereas Tony Scott is more of, I don't want to use the word gimmick. But he's kind of an in and out. What are the kids like in these days? Kind of
1: filmmaker, you know. I think Ridley cares a little more about character and story. Yeah, I get more of a sense of that, you know, from from the different choices he's made. Like he did, I think he did Matchstick Man with Nicolas Cage. Yes, and um, um, it's a little more cerebral. So yeah, there's 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 a little more variety there in terms of what he's what he does. But he does the fantastic and the over the top really well. Yeah, he certainly does it well. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, the crossover you have is, like I was mentioning earlier, there are certain tenets that, you know, um, Tony was taking from Ridley, like when I was mentioning about the lighting, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when you look at the scene in Marcone's office, that could have easily been something that Ridley set up. Like, you have, like, this dark Baroque lighting, lighting, you know what I'm saying? And just... Just the way the whole cinematography is set up, yeah. But I think you're correct, Braxton, in terms of the dichotomy there between them is that Tony is very much more hyperbolic for sure, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Whereas Ridley, he almost has a European sensibility, you know, mm-hmm. like to is it is very measured but also, um, uh, very, very considered too. very, very designed, mm-hmm. like that's something they both share. Both do have a sense of design, Mm -hmm. although I think Ridley more so.
2: Yeah, Ridley's the one that that does his own... He draws, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. His, um, what do you call it? What a storyboard? Storyboards.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he's very hands-on, you know, in terms of the design aspect of his films. And you can see that in, like, Alien and Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even stuff like Prometheus as well. You know, whereas, you know, for me, Tony is all about the look, the visual... But also, how is this shot going to go? You know what I'm saying? Like, how how is this going to get from here to here? You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So, there is some crossover there for sure. But they also are and were their own directors too, for sure.